0: Arizona Sports is proud to
1: present the Uprising Podcast. Uprising Podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to the Uprising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I am your host, Jake Anderson. Today my guest is Phoenix Rising fullback Darnell King. Darnell is yet another new addition to the club this season. Prior to calling the Valley home, Darnell was born and raised in Florida and actually played forward at Florida Atlantic University before transitioning to right back. And prior to joining Phoenix Rising, King spent time with other USL sides in Tampa Bay, San Antonio, and Nashville. Now that he's here in Phoenix, Darnell has been deployed as both a left and a right back by manager Rick Schantz. And in just his first start at left back this season, King managed to score a goal in Rising's 2-0 victory over San Diego which was a performance good enough to name him to last week's USL Team of the Week. Now, this week's Team of the Week featured Solomon Asante as the Player of the Week, and Junior Flemings was named to the Team of the Week as an honorable mention. Phoenix played two matches over the course of this week, and I would like to point out that Darnell played on both the left and the right in the two matches, which would be the corresponding attacking wingers in Junior and Solo. So, without further ado, let me bring on the man himself, Phoenix Rising fullback Darnell King. Darnell, how are you, man? How you doing? I got you. What's going on? Cool, cool. Looking good. How are you? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me. Um, I know we've spoken after a match before, but you know I'm wearing a mask, so good to uh, good to see you. Good to meet you virtually, I guess. In uh, in this 2020
1: COVID world, how are you? How are you doing? Yeah. Good, good, man. Just got done with practice, chilling with the puppy right now. Got some food in me and just. Uh, Ready to talk, talk with you, have a little chat. So.
0: Just living life, living life. Nice. Uh, well, yeah, thank you again for joining me. And um, before we jump into the football aspect of it, just how has Darnell King, the person, been during 2020? This has been a crazy year.
1: Uh, you know, just to wake up every day is a blessing. So, you know, I, I've been trying to look at all the positives. Obviously, 2020 isn't the greatest year for everybody. So, um, yeah, just trying to look forward to, you know, better things to come. Uh, I mean, because obviously what we do is, you know, much easier than what a lot of people do on a daily basis and kind of what they're going through. So just happy to have my health, happy that my family had their health. And uh, yeah, just trying to stay positive, man. So before we get into Phoenix Rising,
0: you uh, you played forward, actually, at Florida Atlantic. Uh, I just kind of want to know the transition from when you were in college and an attacker to how did you become
1: a defender? So, um, yeah, throughout my whole career, I was a forward, and sometimes I would play, and youth, I played, like, midfield and winger and stuff, um, but when I went to college, I was more of a forward slash left winger, so, you know, it's, I had a lot of athleticism, and people started seeing that through my college career, and, you know, I scored a lot of goals there, but when I went to the strikers, um, it was more about just kind of getting taking my opportunity, so, you know, whenever one arose, I, I, I tried to jump on it as quickly as possible. So what happened was there was a, a Haitian international, his name is Haitian international. His name is Stefan Guillaume. Great guy, great friend of mine. Um, he played right back at the time. Uh, had a little bit more experience than me and that stuff. So I was just kind of getting in and out of the lineup as at the forward and right mid position. Uh, He had got injured, and the coach – we didn't have any backup right back. So he was – the coach, Daryl Shore, at the time, he said uh, at training one day, he was just like, anybody here play right back? And he's like, who wants to play right back? And for me, since I was just kind of in and out of lineup, I was like, I just want to play in the pro scene. So I jumped on and I said, I can play. You know, I think my athleticism helped me a lot at first. But as time went on, I started to kind of – understand the role more and work out my positioning. And, you know, <clears throat> being a rookie and just a younger player at that time, playing against some of the more experienced guys and, you know, having them run at me daily, you know, one-v-one situations, it kind of helped me understand that role more and more, and I got better at it. So it ended up getting me uh, – in 2014, I was best 11 at that position. So it ended up working up, you know. So it's that was kind of the way I kind of jumped into it. I just jumped on the opportunity just because I wanted to play. I just wanted to be on the field. I think that's a very common story we
0: hear amongst footballers that, you know, Gareth Bale wasn't always a forward. You know, he started as a defender and and whatnot. Would you say that being an attacking player when you were just getting started, did that help you kind of maybe know some tendencies
1: that an attacking player would do coming at you? 100%. Yeah, I I was uh, speaking with somebody the other day and I told him, I said, it's kind of like imagining you running up against yourself especially because when I played college, I played on the left wing, so I would always run up against left back. So uh, it was a good understanding of knowing, like, how to play an inverted winger, which is what I was, how they can cut inside and shoot with their right foot. But, um, yeah, it definitely helped, you know, just kind of knowing what I used to do as a winger to to the right backs. um, I just kind of thought of that every time I would be playing right back, and I was like, all right, you know, athleticism can take you so far, but maybe you should position yourself like this, like this, because – You know, when you used to beat players on the line, that's how they would stop you. So, yeah, it definitely helped being on the other side and kind of understanding the role a little bit better. So,
0: your USL days, you've been with Tampa, San Antonio, Nashville, and now Phoenix Rising. What has been the biggest difference in a positive light in Phoenix
1: than the other places? Um, I would say this team is more established um they really have the the their stuff together and um in all aspects and they have a winning mentality I can say um the closest that this has been for me was when I played for the 2014 strikers that team was like a group of brothers that you know it's a a bond that will never be broken between all of us because we were we had all the odds stacked against us that year and we managed to make it to the finals and, you know, people were kind of writing us off and granted we didn't win, but we kind of showed people that like, even though we're not getting anything, the things that, you know, you guys promised us and offered to us, we're still going to play because we love the game so much. And that's what I kind of feel here. Um, in a positive light, I feel like everybody loves the game and they'll do anything to, to win for their organization, for their fans. And, um, it's, it's a brotherhood. You can feel it in the locker room. And as as I walked in, I started day after day, I just started seeing more and more of how close these guys can be and how much they enjoy what they do. So um, that's a positive light because, you know, some of the previous teams I went on, they were kind of going through transitions. So it was kind of hard to gauge that bond with, with some of the players. And, you know, at San Antonio, there were some younger guys. And, you know, it was kind of in-and-out players, new team kind of together. So, um yeah, I would compare it to my 2014 Strikers team, and it's just been a so far. It's been great, and everybody just seems to to gel well together. So, I think football is a,
0: a unique sport in which so many players are moving to, to so many different teams so often that we don't really see that in other American sports. Can you kind of tell me what it's like to come into a new place, and you know, you you don't live here, so now you live here, and just that kind of. St- transition because you're still a, a human being you're still a person that has to you know live day to day in arizona so kind of just take me through the coming into a new place in your first season and that kind of that transition
1: um yeah so i mean let's go let's start off with weather wise like I, I, it's different but i was born and raised in florida so i guess the big difference would be the humidity to the the dry air kind of feeling like you're walking out in an oven every day but you know i i, I feel like As players, yes, we can use that as like an excuse, but I think you adapt to it and um, you love the game so much that you'll play through any type of weather. Um, On the other side of just kind of moving to a new place, yeah, you know, I would say it's more tough on my wife because she's such a strong person in uh, sticking through this with me and, you know, kind of moving the last three, four years and, you know, still finding a job and still maintaining, you know, or sanity through all this. Um, but, you know, for me, at the stage that I am in my career, you know, I've been playing for nine years, so I would consider myself kind of a veteran in the game. I kind of know how to go into a locker room and feel it out and, you know, understand the players and, you know, become become a part of the brotherhood that's already been established here. So um, it wasn't very hard for me uh, to kind of transition into to the team because, first off, the guys are very – welcoming open arms and you know they they embraced me like like another one of their own as soon as I got here and that's same with the fans in the organization you know um so you know moving would probably be the toughest thing just trying to get everything here and you know get it all sorted out but once you have that down you just have to adapt and get moving on with your life you know so any anybody that's transitioning into a different state it may take some time but I mean, it is what it is. You're there. You might as well make the best of it. So.
0: So speaking of a locker room, I don't I don't mean to call you old, but you're one of the older guys um, on the team. Um, I mean, do the younger guys, do they look do they look up to you? Do you feel like you're one of the the leaders in the locker room or is or is it you're new and you're still kind of transitioning?
1: No, I feel like some of the guys look up to me for for God. It's nothing – I mean, everybody is here for a reason. Everybody's unique in their own way, and they all have their qualities. Um, You know, it could be more the younger, younger guys. And, you know, I have a nickname in the locker room. They call me Uncle D, and that's everybody calls me Uncle D. So I do feel that, you know, kind of older player in there. And, you know, I try and spread my experience uh, the best way I can because that's all I can – can do I can't tell a player how to play because once you're on the field you make your own decisions but I can tell you through my experiences and all the things that I've gone through in my career you know that's that's the only advice I can give you of of what I've been through so um, every player is different every player's gone through their own struggles their own triumphs so it's uh, yeah I mean I feel like I I have some respect in that aspect and uh, I give it back you know I don't want to be the guy who's just like yeah, yeah, I tell you this, you do it. And this. so it's more of a, you know, mutual type thing. And we all work together to uh, make the locker room a, an awesome place to be, so.
0: So I think it's safe to say at this point that you're Rick's favorite fullback. Um, <laughs> can you kind of talk about the conversation, if there was one, about you playing on the left?
1: Um, there wasn't much of a conversation. I think we just went through a, a little bit of a spell, maybe i 'm not sure what went down, um, but I think for any player on our team, if you ask them to go do a job and it 's not just me as the fullback, we have other fullbacks that if you put them in that position or if you put them in another position they 'll go and get the job done, no matter what and I have strong faith in that um, yeah we 're all going to make mistakes that 's a part of the game, but you know for me, just like in the beginning when I told you where an opportunity arises it's it's it 's all about just wanting to excuse me, I'm sorry. It's all about wanting to just play the game and and be on the field and, you know, play every game like it's your last. That's my mentality. So if you were to tell me to go play goalie and you were serious about it, I go try and do it to the best of my ability. So, you know, for me at left back, you know, just kind of understanding the outside back roles, it's just a little tweak here and there, a little bit of different positioning and, you know, the experience that I have to, you know, just understand the game because I think that's what it takes. It's all about, you know, being a good pro and you know, adapting to whatever role you are are told to do. So, you know, for him to put me at left back, it kind of just – my thought process slightly changed from when I was in college when I played left wing. Now I'm just – first role is defense, and if I can still get into the attack, it just kind of takes me back to the days of getting forward and maybe cutting inside or helping throughout the midfield to get the ball to to junior or whoever's on the wing or Santi. And, uh, yeah, just, you know – Trying to trying to be a role player and just do the job because ultimately I think we all have the same goal in mind is win games to win the championship. So,
0: yeah, do you have a preferred side, left or right? Um, talk I about really
1: defense. Uh, uh, I enjoy the left side just because um I can cut it on my right foot and I can maybe be a little more active. Um, but you know I'm very used to the right side. I don't I don't really have a preference to be honest. Um because you can you can express yourself in different ways on either side so um now nah, i don't really have an answer for that one i don't I don't think i have a preferred side i really enjoy both sides and just being creative in any part of the field that i am on so. well the reason
0: i bring it up is i believe it was your first game that you started at left back was against san diego and you ended up making team of the week so mm-hmm. you, you got the goal obviously uh i just i I just brought it up because because of the cutting inside aspect of it that you brought up. I mean, do you see that you get more scoring opportunities as a defender because you 're quote unquote in an, in your natural uh, attacking space if you 're a,
1: a left fullback coming up the pitch i think uh I, can, I, I I feel a little more comfortable on the offensive side because I am on my right foot if I ever get a chance to just kind of. Uh, shoot it. But um, I don't know, it's, 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 uh, it's it's weird, because I have played right back for so long. And, you know, that, that was a position that I did well. In. And I've scored from that position as well. But um, it does make it a bit, and, and honestly, it's not just about me, it, it, it takes like a bunch of the guys to understand, like, for me to even get into that position. So if I'm able to get up there, I have to know that either my defensive midfielder is covering behind me or, you know, I've gotten into a position where junior Santi or whoever's on the left wing has covered me, or we can just combine and work something out. But you obviously know that we have crazy, crazy, uh, offensive players. And, you know, if junior is in a one V one situation, it's not likely for me to go up there and, you know, support, unless, you know, I'm just pressing behind them to get the rebound. So I think our system helps me get into areas to score, uh, a lot better but you know my first role is defense and that's one thing I need to focus on mainly and if the opportunity comes to score then great I just gotta take the chance and hopefully hope for the best so
0: well that leads me uh to my next question which is can you talk about the similarities and the differences playing with solo when you're on the right and then playing with junior when you're on the left
1: yeah um they're both great one v one players um you know, Junior has pace to get in behind a lot, and you know, f- for me on the left side, it was easier for me to kind of pop inside and get in the midfield, and the midfielder kind of pop out and just kind of open that space for for the winger to get the ball in a one v one situation. On the right, uh, I think on the right for me is more of a combination play to maybe get me down the line for a cross or you know support Solo in his one v one situations and. Um, like, you can remember the Portland game, me and Solo were connecting a lot that first game, and that was our first oh, third game together. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's different on both sides, but um, – sorry, I'm going to walk just because my dog is trying to get outside. Um, it's different on both sides just because of, of who you're playing with, but, you know, they're both very good 1v1, so you just got to kind of read what they do when they have the ball and then go from there.
0: So the last time we spoke uh, face-to-face would have been after your last home match. And you said that you agreed with Rick that you needed to play higher up the pitch. So I asked Rick about that the following Tuesday. And he said that he didn't mean that just when you guys were in possession. He meant it as well when you were uh, defending, meaning you needed to press the attacking players. So I want to ask you uh, from the man himself, as a fullback in Rick Shantz's system, what is
1: expected of
0: you on the defensive side?
1: Um, high energy and, and, and high pressing. You know, a lot of communication needs to come from us out the back, and I think a uh, main thing is a push-pull thing is what we kind of talked about. If I can definitely encourage Junior to press high, and I know my center back can push me up, that's where he wants me. Just so we can kind of lock teams in. So, um, and in the end, the the outcome will be we win the ball up there, and we can just kind of be in their half to put it in the back of the net rather than sitting back in our half and winning the ball and granted you know our press may get beat at times and we just have to recover and do our best but you know I think if we're on the front foot and you know trying to put a team under pressure you know there uh, majority of time there will be a flaw and you know we can capitalize on that so yeah I, I totally understand maybe I when I told you about that maybe I didn't explain it very well because it is on offense and defense and they go hand in hand when you're in a pressing team like that. So, um, and I think that's why I got that goal against San Diego is because we had the ball at the time, but when we lost the ball on the cross, we were so high up that I was in a position to just follow up right behind my guys and score. So it definitely works for us because we are a high energetic team and, you know, when we follow the system and just kind of use our unique abilities individually, you know, good things happen. And that's why I think we've been doing very well so far this year. All
0: right, so a little bit of a a switch up in the direction of the questioning here. Um, Jacob Blake, the latest uh, video that we've seen with the police brutality. Um, I wanted to talk to you about this because you are a a unique individual on this team in which um, you're one of only two uh, black players to have grown up in the United States, but you're the only one on the team that was born in the United States. So kind of a two-part question here. The first part, what was it like? Did you experience uh, racism growing up in the United
1: States? Yes. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's touchy, you know, because um, I, I did, I, I lived in an area where it was very diverse and, you know, all, all races were cool with each other. Like on my block, I had Asian kids, white kids, black kids, Spanish kids, Hispanic kids. Um, and, you know, we were all cool. And I, and I think that had to do with how our, our, our parents got along with each other in the neighborhood and what they kind of set up for us. Um, now, kind of outside our circle, you know, there were different people and you just didn't know how they were in their neighborhood, like their direct neighborhood. So, you know, for me, I did experience it now and then. And even for a kid, a young kid, to kind of just notice how people looked at you or how they talked to you about certain situations. Yeah, I, I, I dealt with it. but you know. What my mom and dad always told me was just kill them with kindness and, you know, move on. Because, you know, when you react a certain way, it could only – it may turn out negative, especially for a man of color. So um, it was more of just kind of avoid it and try and just put yourself in a a better situation. And if you see something going wrong and it doesn't look like it's going to benefit you in any way, just try and remove yourself from the situation. So um, that's kind of how my family – has raised me in that aspect but you know the times that I have experiences there's been times where I I, I did react and it was a youth soccer game one time and I was actually surprised because I didn't actually I I knew the things that could be said but I didn't know that kids would actually say it to other kids like they knew what they were saying and maybe the kids didn't know what they were saying but I've been called names before and I was just kind of like I lost it on the field and at the end of the game you know I had a white coach and my dad was also my coach at the time and my dad was a little upset about it, but when he heard um, kind of what the kid said and saw my reaction, I kind of lost my whole focus on the game and how I was playing, and I played terrible after because I was trying to to get at this kid, and, you know, I was tearing up, and I was like, you can't say that type of stuff to me, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, when you react like that, they take you out of the game. So it was more of that moment kind of made me realize, like, in the game you're going to have – I would say ignorant people and just people that try and get under your skin whether they know what they're talking about or not. It's more about you just going back to killing them with kindness and focusing on what you're as at what you have at hand and what your future is going to be because and I don't know what that kid's doing now, but I know what I'm doing now, and I'm enjoying it to the fullest so yeah, those are some of some of the experience I mean I've experienced more at an older age as well, but you know it's it's been happening for 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 years, and you know it's something where it's it's videotaped now to where a lot of people can see it and how long some of these processes go on for. Um, and I think after a certain time limit of you kind of watching police brutality happen, you kind of start to think, like, okay, you have them restrained. Okay. You can put, now this is a little too much. You know, any human being would have a feeling in their gut like something is not right here and right and wrong is Different to everybody, so you know, for me, that's that's uh, up to, to to their opinion. But I think you you can know what's morally right and morally wrong. So for for the the things that have been happening, you know, it's it's terrible, you know, and uh, and hopefully we can come to to a point And it's 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 good that people are starting to raise much more awareness. But like I said, man, this is this has been happening for years, 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 and uh, I don't know if history in school is talks about it as much, but, um, you know, when you have grandparents that tell you stories and, you know, they have stories that just kind of put you in a place where you're like, wow, can't believe you experienced that. And you're still here today, you know, living their happy life. It's, it's just one of those things where you, it's an eye opener for you. So.
0: No, I, I definitely agree with you in that, that it's been eye opening, And I'll, I'll tell you, I was, raised in Arizona. Um, I was not really taught what has been quote-unquote happening in school for sure. This is this year has been the most, you know, revelating in terms of new knowledge and, you know, what's going on. And you know, I, I do want to apologize for anything that you have uh, gone through. And I, I, I do think that uh, you probably did beat that kid in the end because you're the professional footballer. Who knows where he's at? Um, but the second part of my question was going to be bring it to present day with Phoenix Rising. We saw you guys had the video, you had the Rising Against Racism t-shirts kneeling during the national anthem. Kind of just tell me what that's been like um, with Phoenix Rising and how it's been uh, the 2020 Black Lives Matter movement for you.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, first, just to what you said when you apologized, thank you um, for sure. But, you know, it's one of those things where you, would you ever walk into a, a room of a, somebody shooting an AK-47? No. So you, so you wouldn't know the type of things that happen. So I, I appreciate the apology, but at the same time, I understand that you may not know this stuff. And to, to going on to what your question is, is like, the guys have been great on trying to educate themselves and understanding. You know, for me, I only can speak on my experiences and kind of what's being shown today. So I never want to put myself in a position where I'm speaking on behalf of all situations that have happened to black people you know because it's very different and i don't want to come off like i'm the one that's experienced all this stuff because i have experienced things but you know it's different for people in different areas and stuff like that so the 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 fact that these guys are educating themselves and and trying to understand more is great because i think the more knowledge we have about it the more the word i used during that uh, video was understanding you have and i think that goes on both sides because we have to understand that I'll speak for me. I have to understand that you may not understand this stuff. For me to get angry with you, I don't think would solve anything. So to to understand cultures in general, like why people act the way they do from different countries, different continents, it's more of understanding. And I think when you can understand that and come to terms rather than judge somebody, uh, just because they do something different than you I think that, that that'll that take you take us as a human race a long way I don't have all the answers that's something that I try and preach to my little bubble because I think my little way I do things is try and explain my experiences through a web effect and I think when um, you can touch people close to you and kind of get them to understand rather than try and touch people on a bigger scale that you'll always have somebody misconstruing what you say or you know, trying to turn what you say negative rather than getting them in a personal understanding to say, this is what I mean. What do you mean? And then we can kind of go from there and they can explain what I mean to somebody else and vice versa. And then it just kind of spreads that way rather than getting comments constantly of somebody saying, well, you're wrong. And it's like, I don't think that person meant it that way. I think you're just misconstruing it because you want to cause more and more. So um, I do think it it is something that does need to be realize and, and put out in the open and i think you know peaceful protests and we're going the right way in a sense of trying to get more people to understand um but you know it's 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 a very long process and it's been a long process since the beginning and you know it's it's changed a little bit for me and you to be able to have this conversation we've come a long way but at the same time you know there's there's still a long way to go so
0: And to touch on your point about the different perspectives, um, a few months ago and this year feels so long, I think it was a few months ago, I asked Junior and I asked Kevon similar. um, And to go back when I said that you were, you know, the unique one, obviously Junior and Kevon are from Jamaica. And they both said the same thing to me, that they had not experienced racism until they got to the United States. And as an American born and raised here, that absolutely broke my heart and, again it's again the conversation we just had a second ago it's like you don't know what you don't know and i i just feel like i'm sitting on my hands i don't know what to do because i want to help and i'm and i'm you know as a as a white male in the united states so i just want to say thank you again for for having this conversation um how hard it may be and and teaching folks like myself so that i can educate you know, my web of people that, that I know that may have similar thinking and may not know just like I didn't know. And I'm not going to act like I will ever truly understand and know, but I'm, I'm trying to get there and attempting to get there. So again, thank you very much for having this conversation with me.
1: Of course, man. And this is I think it's important because these are the hard conversations that people have to have. And, you know, I've had one with, with Zach and, you know, he's very into it and trying to understand more and, and, you know, get involved with it. And I think, you know, that's, that's how we can help make change. I'm not saying that it's a guarantee that, you know, you and I or Zach and I can do it. Um, but when you take little steps, that's how you make big ones in, in the long run. So thank you for, you know, letting me share my little story. There's much deeper ones that, you know, I think maybe for another time, but um, it, it's good to, you know, understand and, you know, just try and get your head around what's, what's going on in our world. And you know, yeah, man, I, thank you for, for, for having this chat with me about it.
0: Yeah. And if you ever feel like you want to share those stories, you are more than welcome to come on the podcast whenever you'd like.
1: Okay. Sounds good, man. Right,
0: well, thank you very much, Darnell. Uh, safe travels to Reno. Are you guys going to leave on Saturday or Friday? I think we leave Friday. Okay. Yeah. So safe travels on Friday. Good luck on Saturday. And, um, Next home match is probably when I'll see you face-to-face. I'll have my mask back on, though.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. I'll recognize you, though. Don't worry.
0: All right. Thanks, Darnell. Have a good one. Appreciate it, man. See you. Goodbye. Bye. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Uprising podcast. Phoenix Rising's next match is Saturday away to Reno 1868 FC, who is actually a potential playoff opponent in the round of 16 for Phoenix Rising. Kickoff is set for 7 p.m., and you can catch all the action on the exclusive audio stream on ArizonaSports.com and the new Arizona Sports app, which is now available for both iOS and Android. And following results from Tuesday, Rising remains atop the group B standings with 20 points, while Orange County keeps pace in second place with 14 points and has two games in hand. To round out the rest of the group, LA is in third with 12 points, followed by San Diego in fourth place with 11, and Las Vegas in fifth with eight. For all things Phoenix Rising, be sure to head over to ArizonaSports.com Download the new Arizona Sports app, and you can also follow me on Twitter at jwa1994. Until next time, ci vediamo a dopo. Ciao.